In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome, Ohana, to the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 60, recorded on May 11th, 2020. We're your hosts, Drew, Bob, Tim, and Jordana. Now, tonight's episode, we welcome four Disney cast members to talk about their time working for the Walt Disney Company. So come journey with us as we pull back the curtain and talk to the people that create the Disney magic we all know and love. Jordana and everyone else out there, happy Mother's Day. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Get it started. Um, and uh, we have some BuzzTube information this week. So let's head on over to BuzzTube. Hey, Gord! Gord! If I can just find... Gord! Oh, there you are. All right, Bob. Uh, we had a question this week. Uh, I love listener questions. I, we need more of them. So all you guys out there listening... Send us some questions. We love to answer them. But this one definitely caters a little bit towards Bub and Tim. So I'm not going to try to do it justice and answer it. Uh, Bub, why don't you read the question, who it's from, and then uh, you guys can kind of give some recommendations. Yeah, one of our number one fans, Greg Cook, asked us, All right, I figure between you all, someone must have read at least one biography about the man. So what's your recommendation for the go-to biography about Walt Disney? Hope you are all staying well. Greg, first off, I can speak for myself. I am doing great. I am made for social distancing. I just sit home all day and read about Disney and create this podcast for you guys with Andrew and Tim and Jordana. So uh, I know, speaking for myself, it's it's been um, an interesting change. But I don't know that it's completely um, been terrible for me. I know Andrew's gone through a couple things where he's lost his mind and Tim's ready True. to kill people occasionally. And, and Jordana is at a mental state of breakdown almost every time I talk to her. But for the most part, I seem to be holding up well. So uh, thanks for asking. And um, I, I will say uh, your question uh, to recommend one biography is difficult. So uh, I know Tim wanted to talk about it, uh, one or two of them, and there's two or three that I, I wanted to mention as well. So I know, Tim, you wanted to talk about the one uh, that Bob Thomas wrote uh, with kind of Walt's inclusion, if you want to tell him about that one. Yeah, so I, I have an easier time if I've only read one. Um, it's the one that I think pretty commonly gets recommended, uh, Bob Thomas, Walt Disney, and American Original. It was originally published in 1976, really shortly after Walt's death. Uh, it's only about 350 pages long, so it's a quick read. Uh, it was updated in 1994. The big thing about this biography, though, is um, Walt sat with Bob Thomas uh, four times uh, in the writing of this book. So it's not an autobiography, but it heavily features Walt's input mm -hmm. and features a lot of things that you're not going to find in many of the autobiographies that were written after his death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, it, it you do you, you do get kind of a little bit more of a, an autobiographical an autobiographical feel to it, um, knowing that Bob was able to sit with Walton and talk to him. Uh, for me, I'm going right back to Bob Thomas as well. Uh, not necessarily about Walt, but there is a Bob Thomas book out there that was published in 1998, uh, Building a Company, Roy O. Disney, and the Creation of an Entertainment Empire. It's kind of the yin to the yang of the Walt Disney American original. I think that it's a good companion piece. Uh, again, runs probably about 350 pages or so. Not bad. Uh, there is another one that came out in 2006, Neil Gabler's book, Walt Disney. That runs about 700 pages, um, probably including the bibliography and the notes at the end of the book. Um, a lot of people in the Disney community push back on it. They say he reaches a little bit on some of his thoughts and trying to get inside of Walt's head. Uh, but for me, it was a comprehensive look at the man himself. Um, Michael Barrier wrote one in 2007, uh, The Animated Man, A Life of Walt Disney. Uh, that is an exceptional read. Highly recommend that one. And then one that is actually on my uh, Father's Day slash Christmas slash Easter list for next year, uh, Jeff Curdy last year. And we all know Jeff Curdy does a lot of things with, with Disney publishing and stuff like that. Now, he's authored quite a few books about the parks and, and about Imagineering, and this one is actually Travels with Walt Disney, A Photographic Voyage Around the World. That came out in 2018. It's more of a coffee table book, um, and it is an exquisite presentation. Not in my collection, but I have thumbed through it at some stores, and a couple of local libraries have it as well. I don't know if you can get into the libraries right now, uh, but certainly worth something checking out in terms of a newer book. Uh, certainly give you a different look at the man himself. So, Greg, thanks for the question. And for any listeners out there that have questions regarding books or multimedia or, or soundtracks or, or anything like that that you would like us to recommend to you, please reach out to us. Our email is thedisneyguysuncensored at gmail.com. That is all one word. Yes, it is, Bob. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like all emails. Anyways, uh, the Marvel reviews over on YouTube are beginning to wrap up. Somehow I made it through 22 movies and Bob was kind enough to lend me the 23rd film. So uh, head on over to YouTube and make sure you subscribe and, and check out all those Marvel reviews. They've been a lot of fun uh, doing those and working with, with Tim on those. Uh, the last thing I had to mention is Bob and I have been addicted. We have wrapped our old co-host Jay involved. He's in our clan um, whatever we call it, but there's a game out there on your phones. If you haven't been playing it called Disney Sorcerer Arena, it's a lot of fun. And, um, if you do end up playing it, let us know. We have a little group on there that we all kind of get together, all the listeners, whatnot. So, um, let us know and you can, you can join in on the fun. But, uh, with that being said, let's head on over for the first time in a long time, Bob, the Disney news desk. <laughs> Yes, that's right, folks. The Disney News Desk is back, and perhaps better than ever. We have some updates on reopenings in Shanghai, um, a phased reopening in Orlando, and some construction updates out in California. Let's start over in Shanghai, where the parks reopened to guests on Monday, May 11th. That comes after almost four months of closure, and of course, the park is now open with new safety protocols in place. Under the Employee Screenings and Protection Umbrella, Institute Health and Safety COVID-19 Training for Employees, 
They are encouraging contactless interactions with visitors, and they are providing masks and additional protective equipment to the employees. In the entrance and security checkpoint sector, they're requiring advanced reservations for daily visitors and annual pass holders. They are using government-issued Shanghai Health QR code contact tracing systems. They're implementing temperature screening. They're limiting attendance and pulse visitor entry. They're sanitizing entry turnstiles and requiring visitors to wear protective face masks. Under social distancing and sanitation, they are controlling visitor capacity and density. They have reduced the 80,000 visitor per day capacity to 24,000. Uh, that is in accordance with the CCP order. Uh, Disney is expected to cap that attendance number far lower. No official figures have been released. Tickets must be pre-purchased for a specific day, and annual pass holders need to make a reservation for the days they want to attend. They're increasing sanitation and disinfectant measures and at high-touch locations. They're installing hand sanitizing stations at attraction entrances and exits. Speaking of rides and attractions, they are managing the capacity in the queues and on ride vehicles. They are going to structure the queues to maintain a strict minimum six-foot social distancing, and they are enforcing social distancing on ride vehicles as well. They are going to sanitize ride vehicles, handlebars, and queue railings as often as needed and as often as possible. They will temporarily close some theater shows and children's play areas. In speaking of shows and characters, they are temporarily suspending parades and nighttime spectaculars, but they will offer a nightly light and music show on Enchanted Storybook Castle, and they will temporarily halt close interactions and close-up photos with costumed characters. They will offer a daily Mickey and Friends Express character procession. In dining, they will manage restaurant capacity. They will, of course, allow visitors to remove protective face masks while dining. They will use single-use disposable paper menus. And character meals are now all you care to eat rather than buffet style. And there is no direct character interaction, only that the characters will pose for socially distanced photos. Over on this side of the pond, in Orlando... Down at Disney Springs, a phased reopening will begin on May 20th. They will follow the guidance of government and health officials and a limited number of shopping and dining experiences that are owned by third-party operating participants will begin to open during this initial phase. The rest of Walt Disney World will remain closed, including theme parks and resort hotels. During this initial opening phase, Disney Springs will have limitations on capacity parking and operating hours. Given this unprecedented situation, Disney appreciates everyone's patience and understanding as they navigate through this process as responsibly as they can. Additional protocols and procedures may be announced closer to the opening date. Please check DisneySprings.com for the most current information on operating hours, locations, and safety procedures. Walt Disney World is also no longer taking June reservations. Up until this past weekend, June 1st was the first reservation available, leading many to speculate in the industry that this would mark the likely return date of some form of reopening. The earliest available reservation date now is July 1st. Again, it's all tentative. 
over in California, we have some construction updates, or at least signs of construction updates, as the Orange County Register reports the construction crews assigned to Avengers Campus at Disneyland and the steelwork over in Mickey's and Minnie's Runaway Railway uh, could be expected to start as soon as later this week or next. Uh, it should be noted that the Avengers campus that originally had a scheduled opening date of July 18th uh, looks to be certainly out of the window. Uh, we'll go with a strict TBD on when that opening is. And no word on moving back the original opening date of 2022 for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. But if we hear anything, we'll pass that along as well. Ohana, I guess you're asking yourselves, what does this all mean? I guess it means basically we are at least attempting to dig out of this social distancing. Uh, you would certainly assume that these measures and perhaps more will be in effect at all Disney parks when they are able to open and I think one thing to keep in mind is that the Disney Park experience will be quite a different experience for the foreseeable future. And stay tuned to Disney Guys Uncensored as we will report any and all openings or protocol changes as they become known. Now let's head over to the topic of the week. What this company is more than anything, aside from the legacy of Walt Disney, is a collection of many talented people doing the same thing, which is trying to touch people's hearts. I can't believe I get paid to do this. Let's go make some magic. Four, three, two. It's amazing what you can do with a little imagination. I just love that no two days are the same. My job is to give kids and families a voice. This is forever. To now be able to give those memories to other families, it's everything to me. I would argue with anybody that said I didn't have the best job in the company. At the most magical place on earth, thousands of people go to work every day. These are but a few of those stories. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a treat for you tonight. Our esteemed colleagues, Jordana and Tim, uh, one of the main reasons we did bring them on was to four episodes like this. They have... Uh, done us a solid and found us four people i believe that are willing to speak to us about their time as a disney employee or a cast member please let's be technical here uh up first we do have jordan source who in the spring of 2011 arrived on the scene as a member of the team at the international space training center over at mission space the x2 deep space show it's powered by solid hydrogen and can accelerate from zero to 6,060 seconds. So when you hear the words, go for launch, you'll definitely want to hang on. Jordan, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing today? Good. No, excited to have you. Very exciting stuff. I, I will tell you, Mission Space is a must-ride for me when I go. I, I love the ride itself. Um what about you? In terms of you riding that ride, before we get into your everyday training and you know what you did there, 
Are, were you a fan of the ride prior to going down there in the spring of 2011? Absolutely. So I have been going to Disney ever since I was very little. I've gone year after year. And I think I went a couple months after Mission Space had first opened. I think I was 11 or 12. Um, absolutely got on it. There was no green when I went the first time. It oh, was no. all the RPMs, you know, they didn't tone it down or anything. I wrote it right in its original form and I have loved it ever since. So I was definitely a fan before I went down there. So when you choose to go, you go orange team, and that's really the only way to go. Uh, let's be honest; the, the, the attraction is, uh, dare I say, literally out of this world. Um, so, so what can you tell us about your day-to-day operations of Mission Space? We know that it's technologically advanced. We know that they have the quote-unquote sickness bags, but this pavilion and and what it represents to me is a a, a pretty logical. Uh, spiritual successor to Horizons that was there before it. Um, we, we did uh, quite an extensive look at Horizons a while back, and, and this kind of takes the next step in terms of space travel and and kind of futuristic type things. So, so for training, what is your training for this attraction? You're, you're, you wake up in the morning, you're going down, you're your first day there, you go and meet Mickey and Minnie and say, hey, guys, I'm here to work Mission Space. What do they tell you to do? All right. So first day of training at Mission Space, um, there is a cast center located behind the Mexico Pavilion that um, everyone has to walk through security. That's where you know we get our costumes from. You meet your trainer there, and the first thing you get to do is read the operating guide. Um, that's pretty much what you're doing the first day is learning the OG. Um, you get a little bit of hands-on going through the different positions located at Mission Space. Um, but essentially you're learning the operating guide and then filtering in and out of positions in rotation, spending time in mission control, which is that nice glass panel um, that you see in the queue line. There is a cast member back there who has eyes on all of the ride up information that's coming through and you're just learning all the different positions. I think training took about eight days, I want to say for mission space specifically. So you mentioned um, different positions there. Do you know off the top of your head, roughly how many give or take there's positions within mission space attraction? When I was a, uh planning to come on this show i think i did the math and i want to say i remember it being between 25 and 30 there are a lot of um, cast members within the ride uh you you don't see them because you only go through one section of the ride but there are three other ride rooms with all the same cast members doing the same thing so there are quite a few there that's funny because we'll get to sarah later too because when we when i read up on her email information she said the same thing about this and it baffled me that 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 you had these stations and that um, you really only stayed at those stations for a small amount of time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we don't have a lot of outside positioning. We do have like launch ticket and then the people directing, you know, into the correct part of the line. But during the summer, they try to keep rotation short to get people back into the air conditioning. So usually anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes an hour if it's kind of a slow day and we're short on staff. Okay, and, and that's you're 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 legit just going from spot to spot to spot throughout your shift. 
Correct. So basically, um, when you come in and you work in an attraction, there's something called CDS, which is the cast deployment system. You clock in there, you pull your brakes from there. But every time you come back to the brake trailer, because our break room was a trailer behind Mission Space, um, you would pull a new task. And sometimes you would start rotation. There was three at Mission Space that sent you through all the different positions. But essentially, if you weren't getting a break, a bump out or how to go see, you know, your supervisor about something, you were going to the next place in the position. So if you were in the launch bay and you were flight director, the next step after that is launch assist. And then after launch assist, you go to exit doors where you're outside of the bay now directing people down the really long hallway. That's cool. And I, and I think that's funny, but yet awesome that um, you don't ever feel like I'm just here directing traffic, right? I, I'm part of the ride. I'm part of the experience. I'm helping these people be the flight assistants. I'm helping these people, you know, load into their spaceship and, uh, you know, all the way from I'm helping these people get through the fast pass line. So I do like that idea. And, you know, as, as a guest, when you visit a park like that, you take that for granted. You don't, you don't even look at that. And yeah, you, you're, you say hi to the cast members. You're nice, but you want to get on the attraction, but to, to see that stuff, that's, that's, that's really cool. So, so what would you say is, is some of your more favorite posts or the more thought after posts that that you would prefer so the most sought after post is the one i mentioned which is mission control and that is the one behind the glass windows that you pass when you're going from like the queue to where you're getting grouped into your capsules so behind there there is a cast member they get to sit down and when you are working at disney getting to sit down is probably the most exciting thing that can happen to you and you get 45 minutes of it um mission space doesn't break down really. So it's usually pretty quiet in mission control. So you generally get 45 minutes of sitting and kind of dealing with, you know, any issues that might rise up, which might be just cycling the ride or what have you, but not a lot goes wrong with mission space. So that's actually an interesting thing because it is known as a technologically advanced ride system. And as we mentioned, it does come with sickness bags. (laughs) I I just want to get the question out of the way now. How often are those sickness bags used? (laughs) Honestly, it's not as often as you think. I can't remember ever pulling too many bags full of, you know, vomit from rides or code (laughs) uh, code V or whatever we called them back then. (laughs) Code V, I think, is the technical term. Um, But sometimes um, it's more likely just to be all over the ride versus in the bag. Understood. I never had to clean it up. We had custodial basically always hanging about that was there for that. But um, bags do get used, but most people just kind of come out of the ride and feel sick and want to sit down on the benches. And that's about the extent of it. I was one of those people. I was one of those people. And (laughs) I just want to let you know, it was before drinking around the world. So that is not the Okay, well, Jordan. Only, yeah, that was. Um, yeah, but what about the yeah, pre-game before that? My husband seems unlikely. Attest to that. That was my two cents. Thank you. So it is interesting because, like we said, that the ride does have a notorious reputation for being, you know, this this quote-unquote killer, and and you know, it's it's one of those things to me that uh, the ride. I love it, but there's more to this just the ride and the technical and where you are and what you do. It, in terms of the backstory, the the International Space Training Center, uh, all the lunar modules, and the story that this pavilion tells, 
outside when you're on the way in. Did you guys have to know any backstory on the attraction or, or anything that you needed to know uh, if somebody had a question about the attraction from a non-technical st- standpoint, but from more from an imagineering standpoint? Is there anything you needed to know about the ride when you did your training? So I'm always, I've been a nerd my whole life, so I always knew the backstory of Mission Space. But essentially, um, it takes place in the year 2049, so it does not take place in current day. And you can actually see Imagineering telling that story on that same hallway I'm talking about. From opposite the glass windows, there are panels. I think they might have been removed or changed, but there are panels that tell the stories of space travel before you. The You are at the International Space Training Center. You are actually not going to Mars. You are just training for your mission to Mars, which is repeated through the story. But so many people come off the ride and they're like, haha, Mars looks great, but... <laughs> Again, you're just on a training mission. Um, but that's really just the story of it, is that you're coming through, it is the future, and we are here to help you be the next astronauts to get to Mars. So follow up to that then, then why the hell did they put the landing strip so close to the edge? I Listen, that's my biggest contempt <laughs> of that story, and I feel like there is a callback on Star Tours when you're on off, and you're actually shooting over the edge. It's the yeah. very same vibe, um, but... Yeah, no idea why they put it there. It was really, yeah, really dumb no, planning on, on our flight team. That, but that, so that's cool because, um, like you said, you have a lot of the history and knowledge about that. Uh, I mean, there, there's no requirements, right? As a cast member for any attraction, really, is it really up to the cast member to hold that certain, I don't want to say professionalism, but to hold the magic, right? I mean, I'm sure you're going to have certain cast members that, that are coming in, they're doing their nine to five or whatever their shift is. And, and that's it. But, but I think there are certain magic that there's certain cast members that we all can say we related to that take it to that whole new level that make the guest experience even more fun. Wow. So, I mean, what's, what, what do you guys see or what do you see on that as far as, as having that knowledge inside an attraction like this and pretending that you are in this space, you know, uh, space station and you are doing that. So the, Basically, the Imagineers give you the the bones of the story and you get to bring it to life. And so I worked with an amazing group of college programmers. We closed every night. So it was always us telling the story. And we were very into our roles. And we didn't, not that we took it seriously, but we we wanted people to believe the magic that you were, this was 2049. We would answer the date that way. We would, you know, calculate our birthdays that way when cast members would try to, not cast members, excuse me, guests would try to trip us up and that was just how we kept the magic alive like we wanted you to believe that you were no longer in epcot you were no longer in it was 2011 so it was not that time anymore we wanted you just to believe for a minute that you were chosen and you went through all the training and now you're preparing for your first trip to mars that that's awesome so so one one really final follow-up question um that i have for you is so out of this attraction, what are some some secrets you want to share with us, um, whether it's the pavilion or, or something in the queue, I mean, a, a hidden character, something in the pre-show or post-show, or, or something that to you you always thought was really cool or, or different? So it's not there now anymore, but you can actually look it up on YouTube. It was from the first version of the pre-show when you're in the waiting room and Gary Sinise is talking to you and he's your Capcom. He turns around to push a button that's behind him and he misses. He just completely beefs (laughs) it and like his hand doesn't hit it and he has to look at it and then move and hit it. You could probably find it on YouTube, but it made me laugh every time and it's gone now and that's a 
really sad thing that I don't have anymore, but it just, it's one of those things that got me. And I'd like to point it out to guests, especially when I came back after I worked at Disney, I'd be like, Hey, look at this knucklehead and what he's about to do. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, that's great. Uh, uh, Jordan, and we're going to get to more information about you later on, but is there anything that you want to kind of leave us with about mission space or your time working in that attraction? I absolutely loved working at Mission Space. Um, it was very peaceful um, compared to our sister attraction, Test Track. Uh, unless Test Track went down, of course, uh, we got a little crazy. But I wouldn't have traded my first time working at Disney for anything. Um, definitely a little more excited to talk about what I did the second time I went to Disney. But that's for later, I assume. So definitely <laughs> set me up for my, my to come back for another that's college right. trip. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I just have one follow-up with with Mission Space. That post-show, to me, was always entertaining, always fun, always a nice distraction, the little Mission to Mars game you played. Did you ever have any experience uh, messing around with that at all? So, like, you asked me what my favorite thing I did at Mission Space was earlier, and you want to know about my least favorite thing I did at Mission Space? <laughs> What's the post-show? Um, What's the post-show? Um, that's yeah. the Advanced Training Lab, and you and your fellow cast member, that's actually the first part of one of the rotations you go through, is you get to be the fun cast member with the microphone begging people to play this game, begging people to stop what they're doing, get out of their vacation and come play this game because you have to write down how many people are playing this game and you hope to God people stop. So you would have to call on this microphone, anyone who wanted to play, you know, come over here, blah, blah, blah. And you need eight players to play. There's four for Team Orion um, and four for the other team, which is escaping me right now. I'm sorry, my bad. It's been a couple of years, but, and that's what you did. You begged people to play the game and that was it. And it was awful. Well, that seems delightful. I enjoy it, but I'm glad to know that I ruined your afternoon quite a few times. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a great air-conditioned area with a great, uh, like, there's a little, um, like, jungle gym playground area in the air conditioning in the corner. And honestly, you did get a lot of good guest interaction there, mm -hmm. especially when you weren't the person with the microphone. You could casually kind of talk to guests and, you know, answer questions. And I... I love talking to guests. You don't get a lot to do a lot of it when you're loading a ride, but when you're kind of in stand around positions like that, you get more guest interaction. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you get people that can't go on the ride or waiting for the ride. It's, it's a nice little, nice little diversion. Um, but yeah, Hey, thanks for that. We'll uh, catch up with you in a little bit when we come back to the uh, area. But for now, I hear my monorail train has arrived and my good friend, Joe Hayworth here. To our new passengers, we welcome you aboard our Highway in the Sky. This is our final boarding call, and the doors will be closing soon. Please board quickly and safely. Our monorail will be departing momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Joe, how the hell are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you, you sir. <laughs> monorail guy you're, you're joe the monorail guy this is incredible i'm excited to have you here in fact when jordana told me we we're getting a monorail guy i said well i told us to do a whole episode with him i mean because he must have stories galore because it's the monorail so i got plenty of stories galore trust me <laughs> excellent so so is there a more exciting day in your life i know maybe hyperbolic to say that <laughs> that uh than a day working the rails at the highway in the sky. Let's be honest. Is there a more exciting day in your life? Actually, no. I enjoy it. 
Excellent. So, so what did you do? Because I know in the email you sent some information. You, you sent us the information about what you did, and you know it amounted. You, you herded some people here and there, and you you know mm-hmm. got people onto the trains, and you mentioned some drivers training and the training involved here. Uh, I have to think that some of the parts of this job are probably a little bit trickier than say me being a ticket taker or or working the the uh the 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 magic band booth over at magic kingdom yeah it's very how i say complicated to a way because a lot of people think okay you know the train gets me from point a to point b no problem but when you're the one driving the train it tends to get a little tricky because they always tell you you got to put safety first and nine times out of ten, when you're driving the train, you got like ten different radio calls coming through, you know, and you got to focus on driving. And plus, you got to worry about the, you know, people on your train and stuff like that. Yeah, so that that's interesting. So I guess my question for you is, when you you show up and you're and you're doing your thing and you you went through your training and and you, you do you guys work the specific loops? Does does somebody work the express monorail route? Does somebody work the Epcot loop, or is it kind of all interchangeable in throughout the day? It's it's all interchangeable depending how on how staffing is for the day. So say for example, like I was scheduled in Magic Kingdom, they were short at Epcot, they moved me over to Epcot. And yeah. then there was one point where I was working at the Contemporary, then they sent me over to the Grand Floridian. Hmm. So it's just really a matter of how staffing is pretty much. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. So so I've noticed in fact I was down there um December ago and I noticed that the with the the bag checks kind of moving to the resorts a little bit. Uh, did that become a cluster for you guys working the monorail, or did the hotels have people working that, or was that you guys too? Well, it was a mix between transportation really and the resort because yeah. typically what would happen is you would like at the Grand Floridian, for example. Okay, you would have security, you know, checking everybody. And then we would get such a full queue that we have to rope it off. Mm-hmm. And then everybody gets backed up into the lobby area. Yeah. You know, and there are times to where even when the train comes into the station, the train is still full. So, mm-hmm. like, we can't control, you know, people coming in and out. So mm-hmm. it was, I think the number one complaint really was that, per, like, that particular situation. But in the end, you know, we typically yeah. did go ahead and get rid of it, so... Yeah, no, it makes sense. That's um, it's one of those things. When I remember that the Polynesian was a zoo when we were there, and mm-hmm. at that stop, and just the way the people were backed up, and it was a madhouse. It was insanity. And I said, I just want to take a nice little trip on the monorails. So exactly. That's all that's I wanted to say. It's a nice little trip. <laughs> Not anymore. No. Um. So uh, about that. So obviously we call it, you know, the the you know the the highway in the sky, or or you know the the, the you know. Is it treated similar to like a standard um, train operation, even local Eastern Corridor trains with Amtrak, where obviously there's probably guidelines for, for speeding and, and time spent in a certain stop? What's the schedule like for you guys, especially at a max capacity time like Christmas, where you have hundreds if not thousands of people at every stop, and, and you have three minutes to get in and out of the contemporary and, mm-hmm. and little junior son of a bitch lost his figment, and <laughs> he's got to go get it. 
and, and you can't. I, I just I, I'm curious on what you guys have for a schedule from pulling in, unloading, loading, getting out. Okay, so typically how that works in that particular situation is, you know, of course, during throughout the track, we do have specific speed zones. So, for example, from the Transportation and Ticket Center going into the Polynesian, the max we can go is 30 miles an hour. And then as soon as we hit the halfway point, you'll notice the train, you know, the train starts slowing down and all that good jazz. Now, once the train does go ahead and park into the station, there's not really a set time for us to go ahead and load and unload them. It's just a matter of us doing it safely. Now, the thing is, when we have five trains on the resort line, they have to wait for the first station to call in and say that they're fully loaded before all the trains can start moving in a certain um, distance. Because if you have too many trains on the track, the system's going to e-stop, and then that's how you get people stuck in the middle of the beamway. <laughs> so, 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 Joe, that that's a great question that that I want. I, I never really understood. I mean, as far as technology goes or whatnot what are you guys using to understand that i mean is there any safety is there is there is there video i mean what do you what do you have that that tells you guys like um we need to get out of the station within the next three minutes you know is it just radio and back and forth actually no on the driver console in the front cab there's actually a timer that as soon as we do go ahead and get into the station it starts counting down three minutes to load and unload and typically what will happen is that if we're running behind, we'll just call central, which is, you know, our main dispatch area, and just let them know, hey, you know what, we're running a little bit behind. And then, of course, they'll tell us, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right, of course. You know, but it's also to a situation to where we all know we don't like ECBs and wheelchairs. Okay, and what happens is when you got a platform full of five people in ECBs, it becomes a little time consuming. <laughs> and I'm sure that's with, with all, all four of you guys. And, mm-hmm. and it's not saying anything. It's just it's 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 difficult to manage that, um, especially in closing attractions and things like that. But it's it's mm-hmm. part of the gig, right? Um so so you mentioned a little bit about positions and we talked a little bit about it earlier. Um do you have rotating spots or are you more like uh, you're gonna be a co pilot for the day, you're gonna be a bad chat, or you're gonna I mean, you're gonna be I'm sorry, loading people for the day, or, or is it again goes by kind of what's happening that day okay so basically what happens is of course um you know they'll schedule us for driving if we're scheduled to quote unquote drive for the day and they'll also just schedule us you know the platform now as far as different positions are concerned of course you know you have your cds which tells you okay pick up this position do this and do that and um really I would think nine times out of ten, right towards the end of the night, right when we get the fireworks rush after Happily Ever After and stuff like that, that's when all the positions actually start actually, you know, being filled up. But most of the time, really, it's up to the CDS and our life in the computer, really. Awesome. Um, so, I mean, I got, I got to ask, and I, I, I think I know the answer, but what would be your favorite position or, or, or favorite post? driver <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think all of us would love to um be that co-pilot right but speaking of that um you know there's a lot of i don't want to say rumors because you know what happens but there's you hear a lot about i guess stories and the magic that happen of, of young kids or or things like that where the you know they're co-pilots with you guys mm-hmm. uh had, 
have you had the opportunity to experience a lot of that type of stuff? Well, here's the thing. Um, ever since they had that accident a while back with monorail purple and monorail pink, um, I knew Austin myself. So it was a little bit of a emotional time for me. But um, typically, instead of having co-pilots, you know, having people right in front of the front cab now, what we do is we pick like a special kid or a special family that loves the monorails. And then we take them to their front cab, give them a little tour. And then, of course, you know, they take their picture pretending they're driving the monorail. And then sometimes, depending, we'll go ahead and have them honk the horn. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes sense. Enjoy that. So, yeah, you got I mean, to look after the safety first, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, and then just a couple other small ones. I mean, is there a specific... Um, train let's say for cast members you know early in the morning or things like that or is it typically just they need to get to the park however means they need to get to the park that's just really typical whatever way they get to the park they get to the park but there are some cast members that have specific trains that they love to catch to the park for example my favorite is monorail coral because that's the one that i first did my drive training on (laughs) (laughs) and then um the other ones you'll have like yellow when they had the toy story wrap around it which those oh yes will freak me out to this day (laughs) 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 but um most of the time it's either between coral yellow and um monorail red awesome oh and teal too (laughs) yeah and now but speaking of that did you have favorite you know uh, trips, I guess you could say, or round trips. Like, what was what was your favorite? Obviously, you love being the pilot, but what was your favorite trip every day? Like, if you could pitch, you know, the Magic Kingdom, you know, or or what would it be your favorite uh, route? Honestly, I love the Epcot route because it's about maybe give or say twelve to fifteen minutes each way, you know. So it gives me time to relax and unwind for my day and just enjoy the view of the fireworks when they're going around in the um, you know World Showcase Lagoon. And um, I would pretty much say the Epcot line. And the reason why it's also is because, you know how when the monorail comes around that loop going into Epcot that first time, I oh, like yeah. honk it. I like a lot of people do the honk, 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 <laughs> and I'll just honk it three times going around. So, but um, yeah. I mean, so Epcot would be my favorite one. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's awesome, especially, too, that you get in the drive through the park and stuff like that. that mm-hmm. That's got to be amazing to see, you know, from, from the pilot seat up at the sky and Absolutely. Um, so last question I have before I hand it back over to Bub would be is, um, have you ever experienced or had any, you know, maintenance issues as far as like faulty doors or breakdowns or, or things like that, that are just like, oh boy, you know, what are we going to do? Okay. I got two stories to tell you with regards <laughs> to that. <laughs> so with Monorail Peach, as you guys know, she recently got her new paint job and everything else done. Well, before she would have what we call door alerts and basically what that does is if you guys notice whenever the train's on a spe- like you know going at a normal speed it just slows down and automatically stops nine times out of ten that's because the train detects what they call a door alert and we have to call that into central so the thing is it's like you know sometimes it creeps along and goes really slow through the contemporary and then it goes like really slow going into the magic kingdom station that's the reason why and then <laughs> my other favorite sort of how you say the um, maintenance issues was when they think that the top covers are open. So we have to go in a straightaway, look at a special mirror we have in our cab and say, OK, yeah, we're clear. Because sometimes, you know, the trains are about, you know, 30 plus some odd years old. So there's still a little bit of a 
system thing going on there. But nine thumbs out of ten, I mean, they're just something minor. But, you know, every train has its personality. And, and in regards to that, Monorail Silver has her own personality as well as Monorail Peach. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, I think you had a quick question for Joe yeah, here. I just got one one question. Yeah. If you go to if you go to Disney World a lot, the monorails have a very we'll call it a unique smell. Do you know what uh, the heck that is? <laughs> you know, you're not the only one that asked me that question because I would be working the uh, Magic Kingdom station, and of course they'd be. I just really tell them it's because of old age, honestly. You know, and the fact that maintenance and that's why they're trying to redo the trains and everything else now so i can't give you a specific answer to why that smells there wish i could but you know it's really just a matter of um you know when they clean the trains at the end of the night and stuff like that and of so course you know you got the for that then yeah, and of mm-hmm. course, got the occasional, you know, like when it rains outside, you got all these wet people with the wet floors and everything else. So, yeah. All right. I, I figured it was probably just that the age of the trains and the system in general, but uh, I didn't yeah, know if there was you, some I mean, what secret. do you think, Tim? There was some secret lie. No, I, I mean, you know, it could have been like, oh, it's the lubricating oil they use on the. I don't know, man. I'm not a monorail operator. Yeah. Uh. So, so, Joe, are you for or against replacing the trains? Honestly, I'm a little mix of both. I mean, I'm all for them replacing the trains, but at the same time, if they replace the trains, they got to redo the whole track. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they redo the whole track, it's a million dollars a mile. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you got 17 miles worth of, you know, track you got to replace plus the cost of the trains, I mean, I could see where they're coming at. But um, as long as they keep the trains maintained, you know, I, I think those trains can last a little bit longer until we do get new trains. I will, I will say mm-hmm. in, in Tokyo, the monorail is gorgeous oh, compared yeah, to what it is. There we go. Because <laughs> Listen, they're, they're Tim, I love you. I love you. Just move company. to Japan, Tim. Just move to Japan. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love you. But just, just go. The Duffy Rail. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So, well, again, Joe, thank you very much. A lot of fun stories, a lot of helpful information, and I may never look at the monorails the same way, knowing that it's not lubricating oil that I'm smelling <laughs> in the cars. So, okay. Kelly, 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 how's the new phone case, Kelly? Oh, my God, I love it. It is it's beautiful. Look at it. I mean. It's, it's, it's top of the line. Oh, listen. Like, I want one now. I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, listen, that is www.discase.com. They're great people. Uh, follow them on Disney Image Makers on Facebook. They're great guys. Uh, Eric and Bill. They were great guys. Great episode. But Kelly, don't, tonight, ask to, don't ask me to pronounce your last name. That is true. Sephiroth and Weber. Yeah, very, very tough one. Guapala, <laughs> how are you? Good to see you. Um, so... So for those of you lucky enough to snag an ADR at one of the premier eateries in Magic Kingdom, you've probably met Kelly once or twice because she has the enviable task of working at the fast-paced days and afternoons at BR Guest Restaurant in the Magic Kingdom. B. Ah. 
guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Tie your napkin around your neck, sherry, and we provide the rest. Kelly, we've visited Epcot. Joe drove us over here on the monorail, and I am ready, ready, ready to talk about Be Our Guest and the great stuff, which I actually just made this weekend. Not me, my wife made it. It was very good. It was delicious. I The dishes told me that. So um, you may have the most thankless job here tonight. Um, we do have uh, Sarah, who's waited very patiently, might have the coolest job. Joe has one of the most exciting jobs. Um, c- clearly, Jordan, I-, I am a huge fan of Mission Space, but but Kelly, man, I- <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. So, yeah. so w- w- let's start. In your email you sent us with the information, you said people get there about 7 o'clock or so well, to set up for normally, breakfast. Normally, we open up the restaurant at 8 o'clock on the dot. Mm-hmm have a lot of things that have to be set up in the morning mm-hmm. so that's why people like start at seven between moving your tables around because as you know table service is at dinner time yes. so they move their tables for further apart ours are more like smushed in together because we need those paths for the food parts so that's how we the food gets to you the food comes to you mm-hmm. at your table you don't have to pick your food up from a counter mm-hmm. so people need to move table tables you have to set up your beverage islands because each dining room, there's three dining rooms. Each dining room has a beverage station. That's I actually it. heard, I heard you enjoyed the beverage portion of the job. I, I heard you really, really enjoyed moving those kegs of soft drink, and that's oh my just God. what. Those, those are so heavy, they're ridiculous. You have to go downstairs and past the bakery, and then this little corner, and there's like boxes and top on top of boxes, and you have to find the right one, then find the right room that you're going to it's, it's a nightmare all right so we've had a little fun here we've broken the ice it, it is a thankless shop how many people do you how many guests do you guys seat in a typical breakfast uh shift and then a lunch shift for that for the type of um counter quote-unquote counter service it's more quick service i don't know if it's counter oh. service but Breakfast is from 8.30, 8 to 10.30. Mm-hmm. And that time we can do about 1,200. Mm-hmm. That's like they have reservations or people per reservations. That's what our leaders tell us in our pre-shift meetings. Mm-hmm. And for lunch, goes about the same thing. Okay. I mean, so, this day we opened, we had, we opened at 7. Mm-hmm. So we had like 2,400 people, I think. So what you're saying is we should really make those reservations about 180 days in advance if we want to get them. And we know somebody that can help you with that. Um, She is Jordana Izzo, TravelMission.net, a authorized (laughs) Disney vacation planner who is now earmarked platinum status around the world. Uh, Just saying, cheap pop for our co-host here. Um, So you talk about reservations, breakfast and lunch. Are they reservation only um, can I walk up with my family at nine o'clock and say, Hey, I want the great stuff or a croissant. Reservations are absolutely preferred nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. It depends on the day. Okay. Our leaders will come out. My manager will come out and she'll be like, Hey, no walk-ins today. It all depends okay. on our, if we're short on staff and absolutely no walk-ins, you know, if it's a nightmare mm-hmm. back in the kitchen, no walk-ins. Sometimes you have a little bit of wiggle room if you're out, out front with the iPad, but mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, you're going to want a reservation. 
So so let's pretend that I have never had to make a dining reservation in my life and I don't understand the concept. If I've got a group of two or three people, you might be able to sneak me in. If I get a group of five or six, you're probably not going to sneak me in. Um, is that hard for the the guests to, to kind of wrap their head around sometimes? Yeah, it is, especially if they're like from like another country you got that language barrier especially and mm-hmm. i'm like well if you guys are hungry i'll i'll head them over if you want traditional american food go over over to cosmic rays over right over the bridge we exit to the left and be our guest is um gaston's tavern they've got some mm-hmm. snacks and stuff but like my suggestion is if they want to try and eat mm-hmm. no reservation never know what you're doing come at the beginning of the breakfast or lunch so if you want to eat at 11 o'clock and you want you to be a guest, you do not have a ration, reservation, come at 11 o'clock. That is your best chance. Or come at 8 o'clock when we open. 8 o'clock is the key because then you get quick access to the back of the park and you can probably jump on one or two rides with no weight. Yeah. That's why people do their, um, <laughs> their, um, they do 8 o'clock res- uh, and they do their reservation at 8 o'clock and then they go hop on, um, the wait in line for Mind Chain. Mm-hmm. Or the monorail so, makes you late. Yeah, so That's, if you're late, if you're late, it's not. You blame Joe. <laughs> if you're Got late, it. people they run so fast. They're like, I'm late, I'm late, I'm like two hours late. I'm like, guys, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. As long as I check you in, it's a little check mark on the iPad. You're fine. If you come, you have a reservation at like say 9:30, and you show up at two o'clock, I will let you in for lunch, no matter what. Well, that's a good trick to know. I'm gonna just try that next time I'm down there. I'm just, just gonna say I know look somebody. up. Um, I'm going to book a breakfast reservation and go there at like 2 o'clock for lunch and see how that works out for me. I love this idea. It's brilliant, really, really. <laughs> um, so if you're unfamiliar with Be Our Guest listeners, not not our guest tonight, uh, there's a few different rooms here. Do you have a, a preferred room, in your opinion? Well, I love the Rose Gallery because it's completely different. So when you're coming in from the ballroom, it's going to be to the right. Mm-hmm. But I also like the smaller portion of the ballroom, which we call the North Ballroom. It's over by, like, the windows because it's smaller. You can see the snow falling, and it's sometimes a little bit quieter, too. And I like it. The West Wing, it drives me nuts because you can't see in there ever. Yeah, no, understood. So I will say from a theming standpoint, I really enjoy the West Wing. But when we ate there, we ate for dinner, and and we sat kind of where you're saying in the north end of the ballroom, down by the window. It was fantastic. Uh, we really enjoyed it. I, I will tell you. I mean, I got this. I can. I went to dinner, so you know, I I can't give you the credit for how good my steak was. But ultimately, <laughs> um, it was a it was a good meal. I was actually very happy with it. No, Andrew uh, himself has actually uh, done breakfast there on his last trip, I believe. Right, Drew. Uh, yep, I did. I went for breakfast. I mean, I, I, I gotta say, how is it not a missed opportunity instead of the Rose Garden, whatever the hell it's called, is not to do the library. I mean, I, I always thought that, um, maybe it's weird eating in the library. I don't know, but, um, I thought the well, library so you're saying, was So you were saying in terms of something Kelly had no control over, oh, why yeah, didn't absolutely. she tell them to design <laughs> the library or the, the, the Rose Garden as the library? No, got it. Understood. No, but but to, your point, to your point earlier with the breakfast, um, I really liked it. We did the mobile order, in a, I think, the night before. Yeah, so it, so that's great. like I, everybody now, except we're having te- technical difficulties, I would say, because now – with the dining plan, the 2020 dining plan, they have moved everything over to adult and child before it was all one. 
So now with mobile ordering, it's a, it's a complete nightmare for us because our system is completely different from the rest of the park's ordering system. So, of course, we're going to have technical difficulties. Of course. Why, why make it easy, right? No, but, they don't make anything easy for us. But, but what it is operated great is definitely a good thing to do for breakfast or lunch is to yeah. uh, mobile order. And then when you get there, they'll just tell you your table number. You sit at your table. And then, like you said, they do the amazing um, cart, which is they push the cart out to you and deliver your food. So. Absolutely something. Um, I do want to add one, something real quick. Yeah. Kelly has made magic happen at Be Our Guest. We went for um, Sal's first birthday, and we got he got extra gray stuff because he was playing in the first plate, and he actually ate the second one. So, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly in his defense, be- Sal is awesome, so he can do what he wants. Give him a whole bowl of the gray stuff. I, okay. I think I put the down and he went right for it with his hand and then I think mm. it's smeared everywhere. Typical Excellent. one-year-old. Typical one-year-old. <laughs> so, Kelly, of the breakfast or lunch time, what is your preferred meal time? In, in, your, in terms of menu choices, is one better than the other? Um, I mean, I've been training out in all the positions. So, as from, like, if you're back in the kitchen and putting those plates on the filler carts, so that's what they're called, they're, that position is a filler you have to be very fast with breakfast because those eggs can get whole, cold pretty fast. So if you're running from the kitchen to the rose guy, you got to be speedy. Lunch is a little bit, you don't have to be as fast because now they change the way they put the food on the plate. So the french fries go on right before I'll be grabbing a plate and putting it on a cart. So your fries are not going to be cold now. But I think lunch or it gives you a little bit more time to Um. So more like menu choices are a little bit more different. Of course, you have the French dip, then you have the croque monsieur, which is your typical ham and cheese. You have the turkey sandwich. You even have some. You have some salads. You even have a vegan option, which is the. I can't think. The um, I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's a bean cassoulet. That's what it is. I mean, I, so I, I. I have to ask. I mean, you're talking about running around with these tarts. You must have had some solid, in my eyes. Maybe not for you, but for me. Uh, crashes. Um, not really. Maybe into the wall. It depends on the actual cart number itself, because some of them steer terribly. And but you know, typically my might when I use it, it's like I'll hit the edge of the wall coming back into the kitchen. But other than that, you have your clear defined cart pass, which you are drilled into your head from your day one of your training. And there's specific ways that the cart can go. So like you can go this way, but the next eye over, you can't go over. So. It's a specific way that the cards have to go, because otherwise everybody's gonna crash into each other. All right. Well, listen, I don't, I don't wish cart crashes on anybody like my co-host does. Okay, <laughs> it seems aggressive. Um, so, so have you ever? Does Beast meet guests at breakfast or lunch or just dinner? No, he sleeps during breakfast and lunch. So see, this is what the people need to know. So if you want to meet Beast. You gotta go to dinner. Well, you gotta go to you gotta go to you gotta go at dinner time because he's a cranky he's a very cranky gentleman. Better yet, just book a breakfast reservation, go for an early lunch, and then get a dinner reservation the same day, and just get the whole experience. You know, <laughs> screw it. Get all three meals to be our guests and give Disney six thousand dollars for your meal that day. It's brilliant. I love the uh, idea. It's completely different, so I have no control over that. But my best. That's understood. They go at 4 o'clock if you don't have a dinner reservation. Tell them I would like to eat, and you're going to eat at 4 o'clock, and they can try and get you in, but no guarantees. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, Andrew, anything else from you on Be Our Guest? 
No, it's, I mean, if you never experienced, obviously, it's a great restaurant. And like like Kelly said, the even the breakfast and lunch is a good little way to get in there if you can't get the dinner. I mean, you obviously have to try the gray stuff because it's delicious. <laughs> it is delicious. Highly said, recommend it. Try to try the gray stuff. It's the only place on property you were going to find it. And the gray stuff recipe that they give you does not look like our gray stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I've had both. Okay. The one I had this weekend was very good. Because your wife made it. And she's sitting right behind me. It was dynamite. (laughs) I've had a bunch of it. I will tell you, the consistency was a little bit different than the one you get at the restaurant. The one at the restaurant's a little bit thicker, it seems like. I'm just saying. That's just my take. It tasted great. I loved it. I highly recommend the recipe we posted to the Ohana. But um, I will tell you that the consistency is a little bit different. Maybe you guys aren't using Cool Whip. Maybe you're using uh, Ready Whip in a can. Who knows? That's the only recipe they will not give us. Cool this is ridiculous. Joe, you want, I can get a recipe for you. You know, listen, Joe shattered my dreams about the, 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 the oil and the grease, and now you're <laughs> shattering my dreams with the Grey Stuff recipe. I don't know what to make of this anymore. You know, we bring you on here to give us these answers, and you're not giving them to us. I, I mean, so. I know she's like, hey, the dream of the Maybe, um, Maybe Sarah can spoil us if the stretched room is stretching or if whoa, not. Whoa. Hey, no, we don't give away those trade secrets. Jesus Christ, uh, do you I, want her I, to... Do, we, I we'll want get, to know. I'll walk out of my house tomorrow and get axed by the mafia for this. This is unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, very exciting stuff, Kelly. Thank you very much. Um, now, to this point, obviously, we've we've been dead cut. We've ridden the monorail with Greasy Joe, and now we've, we've moved on to have our breakfast. And, of course, Sarah, you have been waiting patiently. Thank you for that. Andrew's very excited about hearing about the tricks of the trade of the Haunted Mansion. When hinges creak in doorless chambers and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present Practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. Sarah, thanks for joining us. It seems like a great job. Again, I hate to keep putting it on uh, on Kelly, but she just, uh, you know, she didn't get the short straw here with the jobs we got this week. Um, so the Haunted Mansion, arguably the most enduring attraction on in any Disney park, it's got to be an exciting assignment when you go down there and they say, all right, well, you're walk- you're working Haunted Mansion. Um, there, was, there was really no better thing they could have told me. Um, although it wasn't what I had anticipated at the time. When I interviewed, um, my major in college was theater. Um, mm-hmm. So I was thinking they were going to give me more of a spieling ride, more of like a jungle cruise or okay. a, a safaris or even, you know, the great movie ride is one of those. Um, attractions that we it was 2014 R.I.P. Great movie, Red um, Miss it but yeah so um, they tell you attractions initially they don't tell you what area you're going to be working at but then you get there um, and before you get your attraction you get your area so it said Adventureland Liberty Square Um, and for the most part that's awesome across the board you've got pirates of the caribbean there you've got jungle cruise you've got mansion um the one 
attraction uh, loop, actually, um, that everybody was sort of eh about was um, ATT, we called it, Aladdin Tiki Treehouse. Um, yeah, that's so under, if you work one of those attractions, you work all of them. Um, okay. So you it, were sort of rolling the dice. You had a 75% chance of landing something awesome, <laughs> but that 25% was haunting. Um, fortunately, different kind of haunting went my way. Um, and, yeah, I, it so, was the experience so of a lifetime. So it is interesting because I would imagine – Anyone listening to this show would want the job that you have. And again, reading your notes, you, I think what I could gather from it is you loved the assignment. You really enjoyed it. But there mm-hmm. were some things that maybe you didn't love. So before we break down, you know, what assignment you had and, and you know, did you stay in character when you opened the doors? What, I just want to get the best experience you had or, or, or one of the more exciting experiences you had at the mansion and then maybe counter that with something that wasn't so great, even if it's as simple as the moving walkway and trying to get people onto the rides and moving them appropriately and stuff like that. So, um, It's going to be people either way. The best and the worst of it was people. Um, mm-hmm. The most fun was when you would get repeat visitors. Um, Mm -hmm. And like Jordan was saying, um, we both did college programs, and they used to joke that CP stood for closed park. Um, We would work pretty late hours. Yeah. Um, And the people that come a little bit later, um, it's usually a different crowd than the midday crowd. Um, And they're more game for having a little fun. Yep. Um, And those are the people that are going to remember you. They're going to remember the experience you gave them because it's smaller, it's more intimate, and they're more excited about it. and so you have people that come in and ask for you by name that look for you. Um, mm-hmm. And there was there was one night where I went back home. Um, CPs live in compounds, Disney-owned compounds. And um, a car drove by me, and they all leaned out the window, and they were like, you were working mansion tonight. You were amazing. <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah, that was great. Um, but then the other end of the spectrum, um, that, that midday crowd – is uh it, it's tricky there are a lot of them and they're all very angry at you um specifically you um mansions mansions usually like the halfway point because either way you start either in Adventureland mm-hmm. or Tomorrowland you're gonna land somewhere in Liberty Square or Fantasyland um around noon and it's it's sweaty and it's everybody's exhausted and they're hungry um and they're on the haunted mansion um and so. People, people are rude. People are entitled. Um, I got touched a lot, which is like a weird huh. thing. Like people, people really wanted to like. I I I don't even. They just felt like, especially at Mansion when you're like in that costume, mm-hmm. you're you're like part of the scenery to them. Yeah. Yep. Um, understood. So 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 Sarah, what do you? That's a tough situation and interesting conversation. I don't want to get too deep into it, but you know, here you are trying to you know do your job right i mean you're, you're here you're getting paid and now there's someone physically putting your hands on you and they're probably joking around but to you it's not a joke right so yeah, you know. so, so how do you find that fine line and and, and just trying to back away you know um you get good at reading situations mm-hmm. you then reading people specifically and how they're approaching you um if they're making a beeline for you it's probably not gonna 
work in your favor. Um, you, you, and there, there are just so many factors. Um, if there's a person that you see that you feel like is going to make you uncomfortable, the best thing to do is just bury yourself in a different crowd. Um, cause there's always a crowd. Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Um, but, but speaking of that as well, and, and, and characters and, and playing this character, it was interesting. I was reading up a little bit on your, on your information and you start your day off, um, which not every cast member has to do is, is you have to get makeup applied. Is that, is that kind of true? Um, it was in, uh, for the Halloween parties. Okay. You, um, you had 30 minutes of your shift where you sat in a makeup chair and they, um, they made you spooky. So if you go to a Halloween party, that's the only thing that's different at the mansion. The cast members are all made up, um, make up cobwebs they give you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, did you like, did you love that part of it? I or? loved that part of it. Yeah, that is cool. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to be using those pictures as my Halloween profile picture and on Facebook <laughs> forever. That is awesome. So, so, so speaking of that and, um, you know, playing that, that character, right? Because Haunted Mansion is definitely, you mentioned Jungle Cruise is one, but Haunted Mansion is definitely one of those characters where you are trying to stay in character. You're, you're, you're telling a story, right? The whole the whole reason that makes the Haunted Mansion in my eyes is so amazing is it's the whole experience, right? It's, it's from walking through the new queue to the stretchy room to the attraction and, and even walking out of it. Uh, and, and, and you guys, the cast members, play such a pivotal part of that, right? So, so what is it like to walk into the haunted mansion in the morning or the afternoon or whatever it is with your shift and say, all right, I got to put the fun Sarah on the, on the timeout for now. And I got to put the, I got to put the straight face on and it's go time. You know, and, and you talked about being, you know, in drama. So, so, so how is that? No, how do you know that fun Sarah is at haunted mansion? Sarah? <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, um, well, it, it's parts of it certainly bleed over. I teach now. Um, and my mansion stare gets quite a bit of use in the classroom. Um, but honestly, it was a it's a huge relief to be able to go into the mansion and be less Disney. Um, like I don't know, a, a fantasy land attractions position would have been exhausting. I think about that all of the time. Um, just like so many. Small, you know, such a smile. So many small children. Um, Mansion, getting in the headspace for mansion was not as difficult as maybe it should have been. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, and especially when you knew that it was like when you were grumpy already, when you knew that it was going to be a crowded day in the parks or whatever, Um, or you know, you had a bad night's sleep. It didn't matter because no. you worked at the high mansion. You could do whatever. <laughs> so, so, All right, so that's fair. So, yeah. uh, Tim, do you have one? You can yeah. take one. So, Go so ahead, about, you know, the park being hot and crowded and the headspace yeah. and stuff, um, the costumes for Haunted Mansion are a little bit different than most of the rest of the park. And uh, they don't look very cool in a, uh, you know, Florida summer. Are they – is there something we're not seeing? Are they they, they air-conditioned somehow? Or no. is it just brutally no. hot in the summer in those things? You just suffer. That's all. Um, the, the, they, the skirts are wool. Um, they are they are skirts for the women. Um, and the men have di- – they, they're layered. Um, the butlers don't keep their coats on necessarily when they're in an out, outside position. 
Um, mansion similar to space, Jordan was saying, there's a fair amount of inside positions, so that's at least a relief. But there's also like a weird amount of queue that you have to manage. Um, so you you sweat, and that, that's that's just what that's just the job job that you have. Um, I mean, mansion being such a cool position sort of makes up for any of the discomfort that you go through. Tim, I mean, I'd, I'd hate to say reference back to episode 17 on ways to stay cool in Walt Disney World, but I'm going to. Maybe we need a, maybe we need cast members to stay cool in Walt Disney World. Um, <laughs> yeah, get a job in Mission Space. Just stay inside all day. <laughs> there you go. Leadership uh, so, was like, drink water. And we were like, yeah, we're good. We got it. Yeah. So, so Sarah, you're big. Obviously, the mansion's big into character. The, mm-hmm. the building itself, the facade of the building is a character. Is there a time that you may get a frightened child or even an adult that, you know, scares easily that you do you stay in character for that or do you or or do you kind of break away and say, hey, you know, it's just uh, we're just messing around type thing. Or do you stay in character 100 percent? You're dedicated to the craft. Uh, There's no rule that says that you have to stay in character and a lot of my fellow cast members were not as into the care you know like mm-hmm. for, for some people it's more of a show experience and for some people like this is the job and we do it um, right but the guest always comes first so yeah. if, if somebody is genuinely spooked then you do your best um there are times when that's easier than others um mm-hmm. late at late at night is a little bit of a wash halloween parties was that was a lost cause because you were yeah. already in scary makeup so you couldn't approach them without them not wanting to be anywhere near you. But. So, so so this attraction, maybe more than any other, has had books upon books and mediocre movies made about it, and <laughs> in this attraction, kind of like kind of like Mission Space where we talked about backstory. Right. Do you get those guys like me or Tim or Andrew or Jordana coming up to you saying, hey, did you know that uh, Constance's ring is right over there? And you say, no, that's just a post from when we have the, 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 the ropes up. Or, or do you have people trying to test your knowledge of official Disney story and then unofficial Disney story that has almost become official? Um, every as far as testing knowledge is concerned, nobody really pushes that because there are so many different canons with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So nobody wants to like say something and then have you be like, actually, um, and you work there, so you're right. Um, but the ring was actually a hot topic when I was there. Um, yeah. They did they did event for a little bit. There was a ring there, like a ring mm-hmm. ring, um, yep. and they put it in because everybody kept mistaking that pole for mm-hmm. the ring um and so when i was there they were clean i don't remember if they were cleaning it or just replacing it but it would it had been there mm-hmm. and then it was gone yeah. so there was a lot of like that's not the ring what's it you know like where it, it's not it's no. elsewhere the the master has it for something I, don't so, so we don't know if Jim Evers took it though, because we're gonna we're, if we're gonna talk about lore, let's just talk about the movie itself. It's available on DVD and Disney Plus, and <laughs> with Evers and Evers Realty, you'll be happy for Evers and Evers. And uh, I will tell you, does anyone Eddie Murphy ever show up at the Haunted Mansion? Um, 
See, there's like a spectrum of people that show up to rides, and Eddie Murphy is on one end, and Johnny Depp is on the other, with Steven Tyler firmly in the middle. Nice. I like it. I like it. So that's that's fantastic. So you're saying Eddie Murphy would be the lower scale of that end. Absolutely. But Steven Tyler's still in the middle, the bad boy of Boston himself. That's fantastic. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other really cool stories about Haunted Mansion? I know that, uh, you know, we, we know that the maintenance job is to keep it dirty. Uh, any spooks, like if you're cleaned up at the end of the night, you know, something flickers or anything, any wild stories to, to wrap up the mansion story? Um, it's There's more ghosts than pirates, actually. Um, the mansion's kind of boring in that respect. But we do top the list of places where people like to dump ashes. Um People love to roll into Magic Kingdom especially, but I imagine all the parks with um, urns full of ashes of their loved ones. And they, because the Haunted Mansion is what it is, they're like, um, I'm just going to pour this out. Ballroom scene. This is where you belong, Grandma. Um, and there's a pane of glass in front of the ballroom scene. So it just comes right back into their face. Um, so if you feel the urge to dump remains at Disney World. First of all, don't. Um, and second, there's probably a pane of glass and you're probably going to end up inhaling most of it. And the rest of it is going to be cleaned up by custodial and just thrown away. So it's not going to work out the way you want it to. Excellent. So we had a guest on, Mikey was his name, heaven help him, what a, what a fun guest he was way back when. He actually told us of a hidden goofy and I'm here to ask you today, as a Haunted Mansion cast member, is the track roughly in the shape of a Goofy? Now, there are blueprints out there that are you could maybe connect the dots on. Are you going to dispel that rumor tonight? Um, th- I don't think so. Um, there is a hidden Mickey in the way that the mansion is set up. There are two stretch rooms. Okay. Um, so the foyer would be like the Mickey head, and then the stretch rooms would be the ears there. Okay. But um, no, no, we we never. There are so many hidden things in the mansion, and that was actually mm-hmm. what I was checking my little notebook about to make sure I remembered all of them, if, in mm-hmm. case you wanted to know. Um, but no Mickey's and no Donalds. A lot of people. That's uh, disappointing. Discuss the Donalds. Yeah. So. Interesting hidden Mickey was the one that's kind of there and then it's not there sometimes based on how the ballroom is set up mm-hmm. in the dishes and the display, the set on the table. Right. Uh, so so that one kind of comes and goes based on maintenance's whim or just one yeah, of those? Yeah, third shift does whatever they want. Um, it's usually there. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, that's like a general statement. But, um, <laughs> yeah, third shift does whatever. <laughs> they for, come in. Mansion in particular, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, we move this animatronic in and in the graveyard scene and like see if you can see if it's cool. And we're like, we don't ride this, but okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, the one in the ballroom scene, uh, the trickiest one to see is when you're in the graveyard scene, um, the opera singers are off to the right. Uh, you look behind you and there's like a grim reaper. Mm-hmm. Um, his scythe is a Mickey. Really. Yep. I've never seen that one. I'll have to check that one out. We have to go yeah, Steve you, Barrett. You gotta, Does Steve Barrett know about this? Get me Steve. And, Andrew, get Steve Barrett on the line. Ask him about this one. We'll, we'll have to confirm that along with uh, the Goofy track. That, yeah. That's yeah. my you, favorite. You want, you want some more of the hidden things? Because I, I got some notes. 
sure, wrap them off. Um, no, you don't have to, you don't have to wrap them, but <laughs> uh, I did. I didn't. <laughs> rhymes is probably not going to work right now. <laughs> the plate and the scythe are the two big Mickey's, but then there are also um, hidden Nightmare Before Christmas characters in there as well, because uh, Worlds doesn't get the Nightmare mm-hmm. thing like Land does, um, because we get more international visitors, so they like to keep it classic um, in Florida. And so, unless the lights were on, you would probably never know that they were there, but they are. Um, so the book that's on the table closest to you when you go through the library scene um, is The Nightmare Before Christmas. And there are jacks on the spines of a bunch of those books in the library. Um, and then there is a Sally doll on display right when you go into the attic. Um, but you will never see anything in the attic because there is years worth of everything in the attic. There was mm-hmm. one night when after a Halloween party, a kid was dressed as Captain America. And he said that he dropped his shield up there and we never found it. So that's up there as well as every other thing that's ever been dropped so about that it, every time the ride stops is that because a guest like stuck an arm or a leg out of the omni mover no um, <laughs> the mansion stops a lot um it the mansion will only stop if somebody actually gets out of it like it, it's a it's a pressure pad on the side of the track that you would have to hit um more than likely it's stopping or slowing down because there is a guest in a wheelchair or an ACV um, that needs a slower stop in order to get on. Because the moving belt is deceptively difficult to manage for a lot of people. Um, especially oh. like the, the queue is designed so that you see the moving belt um, as you come around towards it. Um, but you would be amazed at the people, the amount of people that will step onto it and just go down. Just... So do do you, do you have a lot of guests that do try to ask you questions like the stretch of your room? Is it what is it doing or 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 test your knowledge on some of those things that maybe you don't want to give up or you're not allowed. to? Let me ask, rather. Are there things you're not allowed to say? We were never given explicit instructions on what not to say, but it's sort of just the etiquette of the thing to allow for the mystery, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, and that's what makes uh, the, the magic of Disney the magic, right? So I, I I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, any other fun things that we haven't really covered that uh, we can share before we kind of move on? Um, well, I think some of my more fun stories are going to be covered later with a couple of the questions mm-hmm. that we're, that we're getting to. All right. So, um, yeah, that's the mention. Awesome. Bobby, do anything else? No, no. I would just like to, on behalf of myself and Andrew, less so Tim and Jordana, because they've just kind of been along for the ride to this point. They are going to take over the episode going forward. But for me and Andrew, I must say that uh, Jordan and Joe and Kelly and Sarah, thank you guys very much for spending some time with us. You're going to stick around and spend some more time. And uh, Jordan, I I know you wanted to talk about your second college program, but for the instance of of time restraints, we'll have you back to talk about that in in a different segment. And it's a really cool story. And I just do want to give it the proper time 
instead of kind of the rush through it because it seems like you do have a lot of the stuff with the with the party stuff so what we can talk about that uh, offline at a later time and then have you back on the show um but again guys thank you very much for coming to spend the time and uh i think that uh tim and jordan are going to take it from here let's head on over to the random house of mouse Yes, and we are in the Random House of Mouse again, uh, and uh, we're just going to continue with some of the questions that didn't really fit into the main interview, and then some uh, quick rapid-fire stuff. So I'm going to start off with those additional questions, and I just have a couple for each person. We're going to start off with uh, Joe, and uh, these questions came from various people in the Ohana, Twitter, email, etc. So uh, Joe, is uh, Joe around? Joe, hey, sorry to see you. All right, Joe. Um, so this is from John Blanco uh, from Facebook, and he said, uh, "What what is the interview process at Disney like?" Well, basically, how it works is with uh, monorails. It used to be a one interview process. Now um, they have it to where it's a two interview process. So first, you get a interview with your recruiter, and then you get a second interview with the monorail management, so that way they know you're a good fit for monorails, and then they extend you the job offer after the second interview. So is so I know Sarah and George both said they got assigned their job. Did you apply specifically for the monorail? Correct. I uh, specifically did apply for the monorail. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like a job you just get assigned to. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, cool, cool. Tim, I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to, but I, I have to ask. I mean, ha, ha, I mean, you don't have a resume that says I worked on the monorail. I mean, how does, <laughs> how, how, how does that? Well, he does, does now. That, <laughs> no, that's a that's a great question, Drew. Yeah, I mean, there's like five monorails in the entire world still. So how, yeah, how do you prove you're qualified to operate a monorail? <laughs> So basically what happened before, which is a true story, is before the um, two interview process, you know, you only had one interview. What happened was they would hire the people. And then when they got to the actual job itself, they would get scared and then they quit. And it would be the same thing also for drive training because they would be like, I don't want to be responsible for 100 and like 300 people for our train, you know, and it got to a point to where they, we had about maybe a 60% turnover in monorails, um, <laughs> Wow! Which is, which is why they did a um, second interview process, because they want to make sure people are going to be, quote unquote, fit for the job. But as far as qualifications, they just make sure you got, you know, your six months of customer experience and you're not afraid to talk in front of a large crowd. <laughs> oh, and you got to take a test, too. So. Like, a, Drug- like a driving test? No, you got to do a uh, we, well, here's the thing, because we're considered DOT. So we got to do a physical DOT that Disney pays for. And then you got to do a um, a test as well. OK, drug test. Sorry. Oh, OK. Gotcha. 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 Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, do they consider alcohol a drug? I'm just wondering for a couple <laughs> co-hosts of mine that may have a problem passing that test. Um, that I do not know, <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I would not be able to drive monorail after a day at Epcot. However, Joe, 
if you're still working on the monorail, I might come up front to try to drive the monorail. Be <laughs> in September, friend. Should have going to be on the band list. Yeah, <laughs> Dre is going to get trespassed out of the park, and then we're going to have to find another new co-host. And another new <laughs> All right, all right. So moving on, uh, Jordan, uh, Diane Levendakes uh, from Twitter asks, do you change your uniform when you get to work, or do you wear it to work? And follow-up is, uh, do you get to keep them when you leave? And um, Sarah, you can also answer this one. Okay, cool. So, um, no, and sometimes yes. So, the uniforms are not all made alike, and they're not all as comfy as, you know, all of the other ones. So, a lot of times you'll find a pair of pants you really like, or a shirt you really like, and then you hold on to them with your dear life, and you never send them back to costuming, because you'll never find a good pair again. Um, but... You can't keep anything. You do have to return it when you leave. I wish I had stolen. I know we didn't get to talk about recreation, but I had a specific recreation jacket and fleece sweatshirt. I wish I had stolen those. I wish I still had them now. They were my favorite things I ever wore when working at Disney. Okay. So just so I'm clear on what you just said, your biggest missed opportunity when you worked at Disney was you didn't take a fleece sweatshirt from central freaking Florida. Uh, yeah, so when you move to Florida, if you've come from somewhere like New England, I'm from Rhode Island, so it's cold where I come from, uh, you move to Florida, and then by the end of it, when you come back home, everything is cold all of the time, and it's yeah. happening to me again, I'm, as I said, from Rhode Island, I live in Las Vegas now, and I went home last year, and I was freezing all of nice. July and all of October, so it's yeah. not good. The other weird thing that happens, um, and similar, I'm from Connecticut, um, is that Florida starts to be cold to you. Like, you get so yeah. used to it that Florida starts to be cold. They show you the jackets, you know, like when you first start tra training in August, and you're like, I'll never use those. And then it's December, and you're bundled up. My recreation jacket was a windproof, waterproof, like, huge jacket. It was for basically being on the boats on Crescent Bay Lake, and I was obsessed with it, and there were some days that it was so cold by the pool that I had to wear it or I could not function at my job. Yeah. Um, you know, it kept track of those pieces. They had barcodes in each of them so that um, so that you sorry. Um, so, so that you would return um, everything that was rented out to you but there were you occasionally you would stumble across a piece that did not have a barcode so i have some stuff um <laughs> i have a pair of pants that fit me super well that were my parade audience control pants that i still use as like business pants sometimes um and i kept my bat from my bat hat um and the, the mansion mates have a little hat that they wear, um, and each hat has a bat on it. And you name your bat. Um, you can ask any given mansion maid what their bat's name is. And what was your bat's name? Sterling. Sterling was my bat's name. Is my bat's name. He lives in my dress. <laughs> That's a bad He's not dead. Just going to say <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. So actually, uh, staying with Sarah, um, this question comes from my co-host, Bub, uh, who just had to get one more question in because <laughs> doing an hour and a half of interviews was not enough. Um, have you ever encountered any celebrities in the park or any of the well-known Disney upper management people? 
Admittedly, this was a softball because I read her notes. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a leading question. Um, I had a couple of really cool celebrity encounters. Um, my most notable one was Neil Patrick Harris. Um, the mansion is reportedly his favorite ride to ride. And so it was a Christmas party and I saw a tall, um, skinny man get almost run over by a lady with a stroller. And I was like, hey, he looks like... And then a couple of minutes later... He, he and his crew rolled in. They went um, notable in that they went through the regular queue. They didn't, like, sneak around the back. Um, I was a greeter, and I had a thing of pins out, like a little servant's tray of pins. Um, and his partner told me, nice pins. And I think about that every single day of my life. <laughs> um, so Neil Patrick Harris was sort of my big moment. But then uh, Chris Evans also came through while I was working. Um, he is incredibly introverted. Um, he he takes his family to the parks every year. Um, and they, they do go around the back a little bit. And I mean, like, he's Captain America, so he can, and that's that's great. That's fine. Um, but I, I was at, I was loading people onto the Doom buggies at that point in time. Um, and he had gotten on at Unload and was coming around, and I made eye contact with him. And I had this, like, really terrible moment of, like, Oh my God, and he, like he he was definitely also on that wavelength, and he immediately looked away like, don't. Um, and so, <laughs> um, I I like processed quickly and then went back to my life, I guess. Um, and then a runner-up, uh, Corbin Blue, was in my stretch room the day that he got engaged to his now wife. Um, and we also made eye contact and had a moment of like, you're Corbin Blue. Um, and he was like, yes, I am. Um, not out loud, but that's that's the dialogue that I imagine was taking place. How do you not leave with Corbin Blue? He was, he's in love, man. He loves him. <laughs> he's, um, he's a good man. He's, oh, he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic he, man. Um, he carries High School Musical 1, 2, and 3. I know, I know. I, that that softball number in this in the second one. High School Musical Two is a, a work of art. It is cinematic genius. Um, his hair is not quite the same as it was, but that's okay. That's okay. All right. So yeah, quite. A, actually, can I tell one quick other Neil Patrick Harris story that happened? Absolutely, absolutely. We'll take all the Neil Patrick okay. Harris stories we he can goes get. He works a lot. I, I follow him on Instagram, and he is always at the parks. He, he loves it. He did um, one of his Halloween costumes with his family was the mansion stuff. Yeah. But anyway, um, when you work in an area, most of your friends also work at the other attractions in your area. So I had friends that worked at Jungle and um, Pirates and stuff. And one of my friends that was cross-trained over at Jungle... Um, was opening Jungle Cruise that day, and he saw a man coming through the queue wearing blue, head to toe, like blue polo, blue jeans. Um, and he started in on a joke in a very Jungle Cruise way, like, hey, buddy, um, so, sorry to say, today you're looking a little... And the man looked up, and it was Neil Patrick Harris. And according to my friend, Neil Patrick Harris looked him in the eyes and said, finish the joke. <laughs> And my friend was forced to sheepishly say, you're looking a little blue. I mean, yeah, I, it, it, that's, that's a, amazing. a softball. Yeah, oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, 
So love it. Some cool stuff. Some cool stuff. Awesome. All right. And our last question is from a listener, anonymous listener via email uh, for Kelly. What and any of you guys can answer this as well. What is the single most rewarding uh, experience you remember from your time as a cast member? I think really it's like when I got the little kids and they really interact with you and then they leave with like such a huge smile. Like probably one of the last days I had like probably like a two year old and I brought her some extra gray stuff and she the smile on her face was like ear to ear like her whole face lit up and that for me is like the most rewarding is when you make a little kid's day and it, you they and then they go on and on and then like I'll look at like on my on my on our hub page you'll get a cast compliment and that really makes your day is when you get noticed for your hard work. Or that's something that you may think is so simple, but then you get the family remembers you and lets you, they tell you about it. Awesome. Does anybody else have one? That's yeah, I actually got one. Um, this was actually back in 2006 when I actually first started working for Disney. Um, basically, you guys know how when you get out of Mickey's Philhar Magic, there's that little shop called Fantasy Fair. Well... <laughs> I worked merchandise and I was at the outside register and this lady comes up to me crying and I said, man, what's wrong? We're the happiest place on earth, not the saddest place on earth. <laughs> and she goes, well, it's my daughter's seventh birthday and we try getting a um, reservation at Cinderella's Royal Table. And everybody knows that at Cinderella's Royal Table, they book up to six months in advance. Well, I said, you know what? Let me see what we can go ahead and do here. So my manager um, got a hold of Cinderella's Royal Table and someone canceled at the last second. So we were able to go ahead and fit them into the um, seven o'clock slot. <clears throat> and what happened was we also went ahead and gave her a one-on-one -on -one with Cinderella as well as Princess Aurora. So as soon as everything was done, her daughter saw me at the outside register. She said, sir, I wanna give you a hug. So I got on my knees you know, I gave her a hug. And then I said, well, you know what, Princess, your birthday's not done yet. She goes, what do you mean? So I told her, I said, go to Main Street right by Casey's Corner. They roped off a special section for you for your birthday so you can see Spectral Magic and Wishes. And uh, that's uh, my pixie dust magical moment that I'll always remember. That's awesome. Wow, that is an incredible that. story. <laughs> you know? All right, guys. So I think we are going to move on to our rapid fire uh, round. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask a few questions. I'm going to ask it from all four of you, and we're going to make this as quick as possible. So everybody is going to answer within one or two words. No explanation needed. Bub may make fun of you, as he does with me most days. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to start with Joe. Joe, what is your favorite food or drink on property? Dole Whip. Yes. Kelly? <laughs> Kelly? Dole Whip. Same thing. Sarah? Cream cheese pretzel. Good one. Jordan? Tamarind margarita from the Mexico Pavilion. Oh, great. What are you and Jordan? Uh, yeah, you and Jordan <laughs> Why do you think we're friends? <laughs> Freaking buddies. Yes, exactly. One day, one day we'll get there. Um, favorite attraction, Joe? Space Mountain. Kelly? Soren. 
Oh, get, get out. Get no, fired. no. Oh, she cannot come back on the show. Editing you off the show. <laughs> I told, I told I you. I like safaris. In the, in the not mansion than safaris. Oh, yeah. see, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Sarah can stay. Kelly, get the hell off the show. <laughs> Jordan? <laughs> Jordan? Sorry about that. I turned on my headset. Um, but my favorite is Tower Terror. All right. She can stay. Right. Kelly, you can stay. You can stay. <laughs> um, Soren. Oh, God. Joe, favorite show on property? Beauty and the Beast. Kelly? Beauty and the Beast. Perfect. Sarah? Does it have to be a live show? No, no. Oh, Muppets. Muppets. Oh, Muppets is a good one. (laughs) And Jordan? Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Oh. I know, I know it's a contempt, but Ariel's what? my favorite. I'm sorry, I'm leaving. Oh, Bye. Thirty years ago, maybe. Is that even? I, listen, gonna, okay. Not even gonna well, reopen. Bob, it's a quick answer. Bob, quick answers. Come on, Bob. My dad and I like to ride it and watch it together. It reminds me of being little. Okay, perfect. Good explanation. Um, favorite picture spot, Joe? Cinderella Castle, right on Main Street. Classic. Kelly. I have to do the Tangled Lanterns. That one's really nice too. Sarah? Um, Adventureland Bridge for sentimental reasons. Okay. And Jordan? I don't take a lot of pictures, uh, but my, I would probably just say, oh, it's hard. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have one. That's it. That's the answer. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, favorite park, Joe? Magic Kingdom. Kelly? <laughs> Magic Kingdom. Sarah? Animal Kingdom. Yes. Yeah. I um, and Jordan. Hollywood Studios, prior to everything being closed, right now it's probably Epcot, but everything's closed there now. Yes. They're going through a lot. Favorite resort hotel, Joe. Grand Floridian. And Kelly. Grand <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Steal- I should probably switch them because they keep stealing. Kara? <laughs> uh, I like the boardwalk area. Um, yeah. I don't know if I could pick between the three. And um, Jordan. Contemporary. Ooh, good pick. Um, Are we sure it's not just Jordana? Did she just drop the A from her name? (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Jordan's real job is working at MetLife with me as well. This is unbelievable. (laughs) We're the same person. We're the same person. It just happened that way. I am convinced you're throwing your voice in. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why Jordan doesn't have a camera. It's so weird. (laughs) No, I'm using my gaming computer, I swear. Uh. Okay, um... Joe, I think this. I think I might know your answer for this one. Favorite mode of transportation? Gotta be boats. Monorail. Gotta be boats. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly? Monorail. Monorail. Sarah? Monorail. Monorail. Oh, and Jordan? It's the monorail. Come on. Yeah. How, Come nobody on. said bus? Come on. Who bus. doesn't love a good day. Disney bus? All I like the minivan, person. Minivan. I like to pay for my free transportation. I like I the minivan. I said friendship <laughs> boat to be special, but it no, hasn't been a really lot. On really cold days, the monorail feels really good. and i'm like are you feeling okay what is wrong with you all right guys i'm assuming everybody has disney plus um it's a big assumption it's a big jump i mean it's just needed at this point um what is one thing you recommend watching joe i would say the imagineering story yep kelly 
Um, probably we started watching the props about the story about the props. Yeah, prop culture. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Drew's a big fan of that one. I am. Um, Sarah. It's not parks related, but I really like the Jeff Goldblum. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yep. Documentary. Mm-hmm. Just pink yep. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Yes, that. I just like. What was your favorite Sorry, one? Sorry, I'm interrupted. But what was your favorite episode of that? Oh God. I I'm gonna have to think about that. All right. <laughs> In Jordan. Um, the Mandalorian behind the scenes docuseries that started, I'm obsessed with it. I could yeah, watch the first what? episode of John Farrow talking about all You have completely again. redeemed yourself with that answer. It's a great program. <laughs> all right. Thank you. I <laughs> you are, you are more than welcome back to talk about your college, second college program now. Can't. Kelly. Yes. <laughs> Child. Yeah, got a baby Yoda. All right. Child. And that is it for my rapid fire questions. All right, uh, we want to thank all four of you guys um, so much for coming on. Um, Sarah, Jordan, Kelly, and Joe, uh, thank you guys for, for spending your night with us and sharing some amazing stories as cast members of uh, past and present. Um, so this was fun. This was a great time, um, and uh, we hope you guys had fun as well. Definitely. But- but that is going to wrap up this week's episode of Disney Cast Members Inside the Magic. So if you have any feedback, questions, or comments, always please email us at thedisneyeyesuncensored at gmail.com. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, remember to reach out to Jordana, and hopefully these parts will be opening soon, and she can help put something over at jordanaizzo at travelmation.net. And as always, we're going to be found at every place on social media. Again, thanks to Jordana. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. Um... And be sure to check us out at Redbubble if you want some uh, super cool merchandise, like a, a nice cool Ohana shirt that I'm wearing, or some other things that we have, like a mouse pad or a keychain or, or some socks, bub. Coasters. Yeah, coasters, maybe a lampshade. Who knows? Anything you want is pretty much over there. And lastly, uh, if you have a dollar or two to spare, we ask you to head over to Patreon and support us. We've been putting a ton of, a ton of content up there that uh, is really only for our Patreon supporters. Uh, for as little as $2 a month, you can get some some super cool behind-the-scenes stuff, as well as our pre-shows and conversations that we have uh, throughout the week. So, definitely, we hope you enjoy the show. And as always, thanks for listening to The Disney Guys Uncensored. May Walt Disney World bring joy and inspiration and new knowledge to all who come to this happy place.